hockey fans, are you ready to brave the wild? With me, your host, pal Dino Joey, or Joey Owijan. Brave the Wild is available on all your favorite podcasting apps and is also, of course, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. I thank you once and always for downloading and listening to this show. It is a great pleasure to be back on board with you once again today. Minnesota Wild, well, apparently... I thought it was going to be three games, but it's actually just two because the next game's on on Thursday. So it's like Thursday, of December the 1st. Of course, that's usually when I record, and that is when this show will be uploaded. I am recording the first segment on Wednesday morning due to time constraints. Tomorrow I have to go to work early a little bit, so I'll be able to finish up the show tomorrow, but want to start the show on Wednesday. So just kind of a heads up, and luckily it doesn't really mess anything up in terms of the schedule with the games but in case any news happens or whatever, I'll get caught up in the later segment. So if, <laughs> as weird as that sounds, the Minnesota Wild, not surprisingly, had a matinee loss to Toronto, despite, again, a nice little comeback in the game, kind of getting things back in gear. But the Minnesota Wild, generally speaking, did not have their best game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And the Maple Leafs are a decent team. Of course, a little bit of controversy involving this one as well with Matt Murray moving the goalpost, and apparently he's been known to do that more often than not. Moving the goalpost, or should we just say moving the net off of its post, and then, of course, that stops play, which killed the Wilds' chance of scoring, which is really irritating. Marc-Andre Fleury returns wasn't all that great, and it often does happen when a goalie is kind of... Uh, when, when a goalie's rusty, when they come back from a layoff, they often struggle. So that's why I don't like to leave backup goalies out too long. And of course, again, when the starter first comes back, you, you could be in for a, a, a rude awakening, unfortunately, at least for one night. So that's just kind of how that went. It was kind of all the all the ingredients to a disappointing game, basically. Matinee, you know, uh, the day after Thanksgiving, the Wild always seem to stink in these kind of games. These holiday weekends and such. Uh, beautiful uh, uniforms, the Wild War. And I will say again, those of you that don't like the North Star colors, I don't understand. I don't understand you. Sorry. It's nice that the Wild do have their own identity, and heck, they would still have the logo should the Wild rebrand themselves to this new look, but they're not going to. So I, I can talk about it till I'm blue in the face. They're not going to. So I might as well just shut up and move on, I guess, from it. Um, what's his name? Oh, what's his name? Marco Rossi, unfortunately, scratched and eventually sent down later on after the second after the second game of these two of the Arizona game but scratched night in night out now um, what's happening with that obviously again he's not been productive uh, he's been on the second power play unit but the opportunities haven't been all that great a lot of people wishing that you could see Rossi between uh, Zuccarillo and Kaprizov and that might really jumpstart him we'll have to wait and see uh, we'll talk about more in the second segment about um, Iowa and all that but Rossi awesome start anyway in Iowa, three points right away, basically, in that one. Like, like the first period, basically, Rossi off to a blazing start. And I'm not too surprised. Again, like I always say, it's like sending the uh, sending this young baseball player down that was, you know, struggling. He's batting like 190 or something with a home run or something in like 20-some games. And then you send him to the uh, AAA again, and then he cracks a couple home runs and his batting average is 350, 400. And then away you go. So hopefully that can help uh, jumpstart Marco Rossi, get him rolling. I mean, the same kind of stuff was happening with Julius Eriksson Eck. It was like really a slow start for his career, honestly. And he wasn't as highly touted, of course. More of a mid to late round, uh, first round pick. And he was sent uh, sent down a few times, of course. Uh, and, and a lot of his uh, first few years in the NHL, not very productive. Uh, his first stint in the NHL, 
He'd only played one game in the AHL, which is crazy. Only one game, which is probably way too fast, jumping him to the NHL, him being Jules Eriksson-Eck anyway. Uh, one game, one goal in the in Iowa. Comes up to Minnesota, seven points in 15 games. Nice start. But then the next year, uh, in 75 games, only 16 points. So again, very slow. And then he was in the AHL around the same time, point a game, right? Eight points, eight games, three goals, five assists. Um in the NHL of Minnesota, 58 games, 14 points the next year. AHL, yeah, see, during that same season, the Minnesota Wild sent Rossi down again, or I called him Rossi, Jules Eriksson down to the AHL point-to-game player, and I remember talking about it at the time. This is in 1819. It's not even that long ago. It just feels like 100 years ago. And then right after that was significantly more productive. Was a, almost a half a point-to-game player in the NHL and kind of hung around that, and he's gotten gradually better and better ever since. Uh, and has been a mainstay in the National Hockey League, and a guy I would consider a candidate for alternate captain, particularly if one of the captains are hurt, or again, if Dumba is traded, which I do believe he will be. I would be very surprised if Matt Dumba is still on the Minnesota Wild next season, like if he's re-signed after a UFA and such situation. I'd be very surprised. Um, I don't think he's going to take the kind of discount where we're talking hardly anything, and even if he, you know, even if he comes back for $2 million, I, I don't know. He hasn't been good. He just hasn't. And it's not me just being a Dumba hater and all of you that are huge Dumba fans. I mean, good, good for you. Uh, we don't have to agree on everything. We just don't. Um, he wasn't good this past week either. Uh, Ellis Goligoski actually had two assists in the Toronto game, which is kind of cool. Nice numbers for him. Dumba was a minus three versus Toronto, and a lot of people very unhappy with that performance and only one shot on goal. He's not providing offense. He's not providing defense. Yeah, he's, he's a nice leader in the locker room, and everybody loves him, and he's the coolest guy ever, and that's great, but, I mean, I don't know. It's If he's not good, he's not that good. It's just honesty. Zuccarillo and Kaprizov, both a goal and an assist in the game. Kaprizov, nine shots on goal, insanely impressive. Freddie Goudreau was actually really good in the face-off circle, where Steele wasn't. Everybody's already talking about Sam Steele, like he's the Steele of the century. I don't think he is. He's solid, probably deserves to be in the NHL, obviously. Well, yeah, deserves to be in the NHL like a regular and can be a factor on the penalty kill and the power play. Uh, he got obliterated in the face-off circle. He lost 11 face-offs to winning only two. And I know you got some talented players over there in Toronto. It's an extremely top-heavy franchise and usually is throughout history. But um, I don't know. Let's not all act like Sam Steele is this uh, Dave Gagne clone, basically, which a lot of us were kind of fooled last year by Hartman, even though Ryan Hartman did have a 35-goal season. That's insanely good. Not expecting that from uh, Sam Steele. Um, Dave Gagne this, Dave Gagne that. Uh, Dave Gagne stayed good. He didn't have just one jump up here and drop down. So we'll have to wait and see. Sam Steele, yes. Good player, solid player. But is he really anything like of a top six type of guy? I don't think so, long term. Temporary, yeah, sure. Just like Ryan Hartman was last year. And we'll have to wait and see with that. Disappointing loss, even though the Wild Up easily could have won this game. They didn't, bottom line. And that's the frustration there at the end of the day. I mean, the goals were given up. The defense wasn't that good. And the Wild were generally, generally outplayed versus Toronto despite a little quote-unquote furious rally. Uh, Arizona, Arizona... Arizona Coyotes had a uh, furious rally in this one. Minnesota was playing so well, and Arizona made a bit of a comeback there at the end of the day, scoring a couple of late goals to make it 4-3, to three, and everybody's terrified. Thankfully, Minnesota hangs on and gets the win. Kirill Kaprizov, another uh, really good game here, multi-points, one goal, two assists. 
on three total points. Jules Eriksenek, a couple of assists. Love what he did. And Steele, you know, Steele has had a wonderful uh, few games here, and he does deserve recognition, at least an honorable mention. Boldy kind of coming back and playing, uh, kind of, you know, lighting the lamps a bit more, which is a nice feeling. He hasn't been spectacular, but nine goals. I mean, that's really nice. Garrett Spurgeon scoring, and, and Brodine, unfortunately, had a lower body injury at some point during the course of this game, and it sounds like he's not going to play, at least coming up versus the Edmonton Oilers, and we'll see. So it was, I guess, uh, as worded from Dean Evison, the coach, of course, <laughs> duh, um, that Jonas Brodine didn't really, didn't even know he was injured and woke up uh, the next morning like, oh, I, I'm, I'm hurt, I guess. So that's interesting. Lower body injury, be it an ankle, a, sh- a shin or something, or not a shin, but a calf maybe. That's just my guess. Sounds about right. Who knows? Uh, obviously, you don't want him to get targeted. And of course, uh, Paul Fandon would threaten me, uh, threaten to, to sue me and have my show banned from the, the internet. But Paul Fandon is no longer the GM, so that's good. Kaylin Addison with a point and uh, Middleton and all them. So uh, Middleton as well. Uh, good news that Mason Shaw just continues to remain uh, a mainstay with Minnesota. And of course, that's that's not news. It's just that it's a nice feeling that he's here for the long term. I like to keep talking about him because love what he does. Uh, hasn't been scoring as much, but still uh, a major factor. Ryan Reeves looks like a guy, obviously, who's past his prime. Obviously, he hadn't skated for a while. Maybe he's a bit rusty in that sense, but definitely looks like a guy who's past his prime. Uh, another feeling I'm, I have about uh, Ryan Reeves, a lot nicer guy, isn't he, than a lot of us probably thought all these years with, uh, you know, all the different teams he's been on, you know, like St. Louis, especially Vegas, uh, the Rangers recently. I think he played for Dallas, didn't he? I know he played for Pittsburgh. Yeah, mostly St. Louis, Pittsburgh for a short stand after they won the Cup, unfortunately, and left St. Louis before they won the Cup, and then Vegas came super close but never did, uh, and he never actually... No, he was on the Cup Final team, 17-18, yeah. Yeah, I was already in Golden Valley when Vegas was in the Cup Final. I just moved here, uh, moved back home anyway, but to the, uh, you know, to my apartment, not <laughs> not moving not moving in with my parents or anything crazy like that. Um, so, unfortunately for uh, Ryan Reeves, he's come close but never won the Cup uh, Conference Final with the Rangers last year. And then this year, no points in 12 games and was scratched a lot. Uh, so far, he's played in both games for Minnesota that he's, uh, you know, been active. Uh, but, again, looks past his prime. The skating isn't real good. Very uh, slow and <laughs> slow and plodding. So, and what do you expect? He's a fourth-line type of guy who brings a physical presence, uh, a lot of personality, this and that. And he does have a good personality. He, you know, you don't really get to see or hear a lot of interviews from Ryan Reeves when he's not on your team, you, you hear him if you're following him like religiously close and all that, but who's do you, who really has the time for that at the end of the day, unless you're, I guess, his biggest fan in the whole wide world. Um, but yeah, sounds like a pretty nice guy, actually. <laughs> and that's hockey. Um, like I'm sure a lot of guys like Derek Bugard, a lot of us know him. He was a wonderful guy, a really cool guy. But, you know, Vancouver Canucks and and uh, Calgary Flames and whoever else probably like oh god I hate I hate Derek Bugard blah 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 you know when you know when he was out there of course but you know a lot of fans would the 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 players know he's a good guy but again it uh, was an imposing figure and again God rest his soul I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Derek Bugard I love him to death and still heartbroken of what happened there uh, at the end of the day. Um, but it's, you know, comparisons. All these big, tough guys, you know, they seem like the meanest SOB ever, and these are jackass, but maybe they're fairly, they're pretty friendly behind the scenes. 
Um, some of them aren't, but some of them are. You know, that type of thing. With all of that said, a nice solid win for the Minnesota Wild against a sub-500 team, but a team that's definitely improved from last year. It's like a little different vibe, obviously. Phil Castle's on uh, uh, Vegas now, and I'm guessing significantly much happier. They're playing a hell of a lot better as well. Uh, Clayton Keller, Nick Schmaltz, obviously nice players, honestly, but, you know, they play in a funny building, basically, and it's <laughs> and the Gophers were actually playing in it last week um, against the Sun Devils, so it's kind of funny how all that's kind of turning out. Gophers are playing against the Sun Devils. They play in the same building, and I get a kick out of it. I knew I was going to, thankfully, I was able to remember this in time. I get a kick out of the name of the building, like Mullet Arena. Like, how fitting is that for hockey, especially like 80s, 90s hockey, even 70s hockey? Mullet Arena. I, I love that. I'm sure that's been mentioned 100 million times, and I'm just boring people at this stage. But, well, I'm going to keep boring you. I'm going to say it anyway. Just kidding. Uh, Jacob Strickland, you're constantly hearing about him and trade rumors and this and that. Unfortunately, the chances of the Wild making a move like that would probably involve, again, we'd have to dump salary. Obviously, $6 million is Dumba, or, well, the remnants of the season and all that. To be able to take on a Strickland is about making about the same. Um, uh, actually, I'm thinking about the other guy with that, Timo Mayer. But uh, Strickland's going to demand a significant amount of money. Unfortunately, I don't see the Wild in any position uh, to make that kind of move. Apparently, he was good friends with um, Brandon DeHame, of course. Both of them came from that area, Boca Raton, Florida. So, grew up in Florida. And pretty cool, obviously. Shikrin in another warm climate in Arizona. I'd take Arizona over Florida in terms of physical climate. Uh, other thing, well, you know, Arizona generally, I mean, I would like to, I would like to live there. Unfortunately, the franchise is a bit of a mess and playing in that uh, mullet arena where the Sun Devils play. It's kind of cute and everything, but it's college. It's a college arena. <laughs> so, I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> Boldy, though, again, at nine goals, that's a that's a good thing. Schmaltz, the former Blackhawk, got his third of the year. I don't know. It's not a great situation. Kaprizov's already at 13 goals and on pace for something around uh, 106 points now, according to Elite Prospects. So they do the math for you. 51 goals and 55 assists. That'd be pretty amazing numbers. Crazy to think he'd actually have two points less than last season, but 51 goals and 55 assists. That's absolutely nuts. Uh, last year was 47 goals, 61 assists. I mean, it's all kind of relative. Um, amazing. Obviously, it's such a privilege to have a player at this caliber on the Minnesota Wild compared to what you know what's happened in the past. Uh, where maximum points were like 84, and it basically never happened. It was like once or twice, like a decade in the past, with the Gabriks and, and, and Eric Stahl, of all people. Obviously, very productive player. He had 100 points the year the uh, Carolina Hurricanes won the Stanley Cup, but, you know, that was when he was in his, his, you know, in his heyday, so to speak. Very, actually, very early in his career. Eric Stahl putting up insane numbers. Um, but, you know, only two games this week, so I guess we don't have to go on and on and on and babble too much. The Mike Madonna Award winner for this episode, got to go with Kirill Kaprizov. I mean, he had, what, five points in two games. That's pretty damn productive. And again, back in the 100-point uh, projection again, which is great. <laughs> Nick Bukestad did add an assist with uh, Arizona, so happy for him. Nick Bukestad still skating with the Arizona Coyotes and all of that. And um, obviously wonderful to see him still in the NHL and still uh, doing well. Apologize for my on, ongoing babbling. The James Shepard Memorial for this past week, 
I mean, Dumba's not been looking good. And I know I'm picking on Dumba. I know I'm the biggest jerk of all time and all that. But he hasn't been good. He hasn't been good. Uh, he was definitely better versus Arizona. At least he wasn't a minus. Statistically, Goligoski was a minus two, but he had a multi-point game. Freddie Goudreau hasn't been all that productive either. I, I'm, I don't know. I haven't really... I, uh, he's he's okay. Uh, sometimes he has his good weeks, his good couple days here and there, but nothing overly exciting. Um, the big story, really, of the Arizona game was Marcus Foligno basically getting, you know, getting basically, like, penalized up the up the yang-yang. This ongoing uh, feud with uh, Liam O'Brien. That was interesting. And it just kind of kept going on and on during the course of the game. And ultimately didn't get ejected, but had a 10-minute misconduct. That's why you get the 19-minute uh, deal there. Because Felina was basically operating the refs. So the refs basically said, okay, screw you. 10-minute misconduct and all that. So Felino did not feel he was treated fairly. And I, I can understand the frustration. Luckily, the Wild did win the game and didn't get destroyed in that whole penalty situation because it was, what, uh, five minutes for fighting and all that, and then four minutes, like two two minor penalties at the same time. Um, so it was like a, a four-minute power play for the Arizona Coyotes, thankfully. Again, the Minnesota Wild were not beat in that situation. Wild came out of that, okay, thank God. I mean, they killed a four-minute penalty, so good job, Minnesota, in that case. Um Avoided something pretty scary there. Actually, neither team had a power play. Nope, nope, Matt Boldy did. Matt Boldy had a power play goal, that's right. And the game, Kalen Addison's 10th assist already, so wonderful feeling there for Kalen Addison. Um, but yeah, that was the story of the game in a lot of ways, that huge fight, a uh, huge fight with the referees for Foligno that led to all that uh, penalty minutes and anger and frustration and all that. So... At the end of the day, we will take a quick break, come back and preview the upcoming games versus the Edmonton Oilers, the Anaheim Ducks. So the Edmonton game is at home in Excel Energy Center, Anaheim Ducks also on Saturday. That's another matinee. Well, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> the Ducks are not good, so hopefully Minnesota can take care of business. Head to Dallas. Ooh, back-to-back from uh, from St. Paul to Dallas, Texas. Another freaking matinee. Come on. <laughs> That's weird. That's weird. Dallas Stars in Dallas, of course, 2 p.m., and then host the, nope, nope, visit Calgary, who have been a uh, disappointment this year, honestly, after an amazing start, a great roster, this and that, goaltending, defense, forwards, everything, leadership, coach, come on, and you're only 10-9? and 9? What's going on, Calgary? Minnesota plays the Calgary Flames on Wednesday, and we'll be talking about that next week. So, yep, a little bit of Northwest Division coming up here. I like it, actually. Yep, Edmonton, Twice in about an eight-day span, Calgary. Uh, actually, Edmonton three times. When you go all the way up to December 12th, wow, Vancouver on the 10th and Calgary on the 7th and so on and so forth. So looking forward to those games. I like those Northwest uh, games, <laughs> those Northwest games, Pacific Division, but former Northwest Division rivals and such. With that said, again, we will come back and preview those games right after this. <laughs>
we are back here on Brave the Wild, segment number two. Going to look at the upcoming four games versus uh, Edmonton, Anaheim, Dallas, and Calgary. Should be a fun upcoming schedule. We'll see how the Wild do, of course, against all these tough and interesting opponents. Well, most of them are tough anyway. And now a word from our sponsor, DraftKings. Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook app, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pre-game money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Thank you, thank you, thank you, DraftKings and the Hockey Podcast Network. Edmonton Oilers. Who are they? Well, they're they're okay. They're all right. They're twelve and ten on the season. Welcome to December, everybody. Welcome to December, and this is the three hundredth episode of Brave the Wild. There's number three hundred. Yes, yes, it's all about me. Okay, no, it's really not. But yeah, three hundred episodes of Brave the Wild. If it was all about me, I would turn this into a massive production. And you know, eh, it's the three hundredth episode. It's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Um, milestone and there was a time I thought there was there was a chance this show wouldn't get to 50 and I'm not kidding uh the wild were in the doldrums of this and that and let's just say you know I could have been better back in those days I I I could have been a bit better obviously and we're all looking to improve at everything we do regardless if you're good at it not good at it I don't think I was very good at it back then in fact this was easily my weakest show of the three podcasts I was doing at the time and I can't say it's the weakest one now that's for sure it's probably the strongest Maybe those of you might be thinking, huh, if this is your strongest show, oh boy. <laughs> I know. But yeah, 300 episodes, here we are all these years later. It's been, what, 14 and a half years or so, about August 2008, when Marion Gabrick and Jacques Lemaire were still a part of the organization. Organization, isn't that something? So pretty, pretty cool. I may get into some other random stuff. I wish I stupidly, <laughs> I wish I brought it up in the Twitter when uh, for fan interaction, but I think it's a little too late for that. Unfortunately, and I stupidly didn't even mention it was the 300th episode in the first segment, but okay, well, now you know. Edmonton Oilers. Edmonton Oilers, Calgary Flames' worst enemy and all that. Well, they're 13-10 and 10 now, of course, because this... I don't know why this was stuck in the past, even though I just loaded it. Who knows? Okay, maybe it was actually stuck in the past. Kim, or no, Klim Costin with visa issues. Klim Costin with visa issues as of November the 30th. Ryan McLeod, undisclosed injury as of November the 27th. Warren Fogelli, Warren Fogelli, uh, undisclosed injury, left the game on the 26th of November. Jonas Brodeen, lower body injury. So he recovered from the sickness, probably the same nonsense a lot of people are having. For some people, it's super mild, like me, it's super mild. My wife's coughing like it's no tomorrow, but she's still working and doing okay. So, uh, I mean, maybe it's just, just an obnoxious thing, and it can be. Philip Gustafson, right when uh, Marc-Andre Fleury comes back, 
upper body injury as of the 26th again Jonas Berdine is the 29th that was during the Arizona game which is actually flashing on the screen right now thank you Bally's for that and Brandon DeHame upper body injury left the game on the 23rd damn it come on come on DeHame stay healthy please stay healthy DeHame we, we need you and He'd been taking this nice step up. Uh, Connor DeWer's taking a step up this year. But DeHame, I thought, took like a step and a half up this year. Like He's clearly a, a better player. Connor DeWer was barely NHL material, I thought, last year. He, he hung in there, and he, but and clearly he's a different player this year. But DeHame, I thought, you know, a step above. and But now he can't stay freaking healthy. So the team comparisons, as I keep babbling on, and I was trying not to. I got four games to re preview. Goals for ninth. Minnesota is 26th. This is Edmonton, of course. Goals against 26th, and Minnesota's 5th. Again, good goaltending by Minnesota after a crappy start. Edmonton, not so much. Assists. Actually, I did preview this game on the last episode, but I'll go over it super-duper quick. Um, power play, 6th for Edmonton, 13th for Minnesota. Penalty kill, 27th, 6th for Minnesota. Penalty minutes, Minnesota is pretty bad. We're like the second-worst team in the league, and Edmonton's right in the middle around 16th. So... I did preview this team, and I made fun of Jack uh, Campbell, so I guess maybe I'll kind of sort of skip this one, other than I do believe Minnesota wins this game. Uh, we match up well with Edmonton most of the time, except when they're terrible. So, again, I'm going to go with a... Uh, let's go with a 5-3 to three win for Minnesota. I think we score a lot of goals. Kirill Kaprizov stays hot, but I also believe that... Well, I, I had a... Yeah, I always tend to go with Jared Spurgeon against Edmonton, but this one's not in Edmonton. I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Matt Boldy gets his 10th goal of the season. Minnesota wins 5-3. to three. So yes, I did preview this on the last episode. I remember now how I was kind of like, oh, you know, I, I completely blanked. Like, it's Thursday. It's a Thursday game. Thursday's when I do the show. Hello. Hello, Joey. Wake up. <laughs> Anybody home? Anaheim Schmucks come to the Anaheim Schmucks at 6-15 and 2. 8th in the Pacific come into XL Energy Center on Saturday for another matinee game. Another matinee game. Stop it. Stop it. I like the evening ones better, damn it. I like to chill at like 7, 8 o'clock and watch hockey. 7, 8, even 9 o'clock. Some of you hate 9. I like 9, dang it. I like it, especially if there's, say, a Timberwolves game at 6 or 7 or vice versa, and then you get the other team a little later. That's that's cool. So then they're not, like, jumping on top of each other. But I suppose these matinees can help that as well. Babbling again, sorry. John Gibson, undisclosed injury, left the game on the 27th of November. John Klingenberg, very familiar name, of course, 25th of November, lower body injury. Max Comatos, sorry, Comatos, uh, yeah, Comatos, of course, lower body injury as of the 19th, so he's been out a bit, unfortunately. Uh, Anaheim's 29th, or 28th in goals, 32nd in goals against. 32nd. So 32nd, not 30th. The Wilder, the third worst penalty team in the NHL. God, Anaheim sucks. Don't lose this game, okay? Seriously, look at this. Are you ready? Let's, let's start from the top. 28th in goals. 32nd in goals against. I never read this stat because it's kind of random. 30th in assists. Okay. 30th in power play. 32nd in penalty kill. 32nd in penalty minutes, 31st in shooting percentage. You can't make this stuff up. So the Wild are probably going to lose 4 nothing, right? Probably, but maybe not. It's a matinee, so watch out. <laughs> watch, watch the Wild lose 4 nothing. Ugh. Minnesota, last time around, won 4-1 to on November the 9th. Again, we play on December the 3rd. And then the season finale is on December 21st, uh, Wednesday at 9. Love it. Love it. 
love those second shift type games. Anaheim Schmucks are one and five in their last one and four in their last five. Sorry, they lost to St. Louis three one, beat the Rangers wow three to two, lost to Ottawa five one, lost to Seattle five four, and beat or no lost to Nashville two to one. Minnesota by the way three and two in our last five. Minnesota has to win this game. Let's go with another 4-1. to one. And the most likely guy to score is going to be Darkwing Dumba. He always seems to do something against the Ducks, even though he's been somebody I've been picking on for a while, and I do believe it's his last season in Minnesota. It's his last season in Minnesota, right? Is, is it okay to say that? Am I offending half of the fan base or three-thirds of the fan Three-thirds? Three-two-thirds of the fan base? Something along those lines. Sorry, I'm like choking to death here. The, um... Yeah, Minnesota, don't choke in this game, please. I mean, Anaheim is the worst team in the league, basically, in every stat, practically. It, it You can't make that stuff up. Remember when the Vikings, many years ago, back in 03, played against Arizona? All we had to do was beat Arizona, win the division, or, yeah, make the playoffs, whatever it was. I believe it was win the division. Both the Vikings and the Packers sucked. Yes, we win the game, we make the playoffs, win the division. Worst offense in the NFL, worst defense in the NFL, and we lose. Surprise, right? <laughs> that was kind of sad. The infamous Nate Poole, you know, play and all that cute stuff way back in 03. Um, Minnesota wins 4-1. to one. Most likely got a score in the game is going to be Kalen Addison. Kalen Addison, not Matt Dumba. Let's keep going. Um, God, uh, Dallas Stars, slightly better. First place in the Central Division. That would be our division. With uh, Pete DeBoer as the coach now. 13-6-4 on the season. Four overtime losses, huh? The Wild have two. Nick Camano. Nick Camano as of September 22nd. Okay. So they're pretty healthy. Knock on wood. But not that I want them to keep winning. But good for them for staying healthy, I'd have to say. Famous last words, of course. We all know how things go with that. Dallas Stowers. Uh, first in the league in goals. First. Okay, Robertson. Congratulations with 19 goals in the season. 19. Jason Robertson. The Kirill Kaprizov hater, right? No, he's way ahead of him. He's got six more goals than Kirill. Uh, tenth in goals against. Again, eh, very solid team. Third in the power play. Second in the penalty kill. Okay. Okay. Third in the power play and second in the penalty kill, huh? Okay. Well, we might have a weakness here. Dallas is 29th in penalty minutes. But you got to go against the second best penalty kill, so... And their shooting percentage is second. I never bring that stat up, but I did twice now because it's way at the top. Dallas actually is 2-3 and three in their last five. Surprise, huh? Interesting. Lost to Colorado 3-2. to two, Beat Chicago 6-4. to four, Lost to Winnipeg 5-4. They're giving up some goals, aren't they? 4-1 to one lost to Colorado in Colorado. And 4-1 to one victory in St. Louis, who has not been good at all. Four game threes at this club against uh, Sunday... December the 4th, another matinee. So back-to-back and both matinees in the X. I don't think they're wild are going to sweep this uh, little uh, this little weekend. I don't think so. I think it's going to be a split. Beat Anaheim and not beat Dallas. Thursday the 29th of December is the next game in the X. This is actually not in the X. We have to go to Dallas overnight. I, I, I remember now. Yeah. I was looking at that and going, what the heck? Uh, then we go to Dallas on February the 8th. Interesting there. Wednesday. Uh, and then February 17th. Friday. I believe that's Michael Jordan's 60th birthday. Happy 60th birthday in advance, Michael Jordan, in the XL Energy Center. Minnesota does not win this game. 4-2 to two victory for the Dallas Stars. Kirill Kaprizov will score. Jason Robertson will score. They will both score in the game, but the Wild end up not winning. Uh, let's look at the Stars a little bit. 
You know, I didn't even look at the Ducks at all because I'm kind of in a hurry. I apologize. John Gibson's given up about four goals a game and his save percentage is under 90. That stinks, but isn't he kind of, isn't he hurt? So that's even worse. Um, Anthony Stollars is a guy that we, I think we struggled with and beat last year. 3.75 goals against average and save percentage, 89. Troy Terry is leading the Ducks with 24 points. That's actually pretty good. 10 goals. Trevor Zigris with 20 points. And what was I looking for? Uh, I don't see him. Anyhow, I'll move on from that. Uh, Cam Fowler, 12 points. Ryan Strom, 12 points. So we'll keep moving from there. Mm. We shall indeed keep moving. I apologize. Back to the Dallas Stars now. Yikes, that's all I gotta say. Jake Odger, who faced, what, 70 shots versus Calgary and almost beat them. I mean, that's insane. I don't even know how that could happen. That was Game 7 in the first round last year. Sabre Center's just under 92. He's got one shutout on the year. Jake Odger, of course, from Minnesota. Jason Robertson with 36 points. He's on pace for quite a few on the season. He's on pace for like 130 points. He's having a Lemieux-ish type season out there. We'll see if that lasts. 19th in goals. Second place are, are uh, Jamie Benn and Joel Pawlowski with 10 each. That's pretty good, actually. And Robertson also has 17 assists. Jiminy Christmas, man. Okay, Jason Robertson. Jeez. You come back down to earth now, you hear? <laughs> Miko Heskinen keeps stepping up a bit now. Almost a point a game. 16 points. He'd been a bit, he'd definitely been more of a defensive defenseman for the first uh, several years of his career. Now he's starting to pick it up. And Joel Pawlowski, man, you know. Ageless wonder, 24 points in 23 games, 10 goals like I mentioned. Wild lose 4-2. Kirill Kaprizov and Jason Robertson score as they always do against each other because, well, you know, it is what it is. Calgary Flames, my second favorite team in the NHL. Uh, either them or the Vegas Golden Knights. I'm always kind of a, I'm a huge fan. I'm going to stay with Calgary, generally is, because we're talking way, way back in the day. Like late 80s, early 90s, I've been a fan of Calgary forever. Even when they were in our division, I kind of hated them for a little while then because they were an annoying team to play against. And they weren't real good either, except for uh, 2004. Oliver Clinton, personal reason, September 22nd. All right, anyhow. <laughs> What's up with that? Uh, Tyler Toffoli, that's a long time. But Tyler Toffoli leading them with only eight goals. So something just something's not working in Calgary at the moment. A lot of us had them winning the division, possibly even going to the cup finals and winning the whole entire thing with some wonderful additions, but I don't know. They've been disappointing. Uh, Markstrom and all them, too. Uh, Calgary's 21st in goals, 16th in goals against. Nothing about them stands out, really, except their penalty kills 13th. That's the best thing they got. 21st in the power play, and they're 17th in penalty minutes, so they're reasonable about staying out of the box about... About 75 less penalty minutes in the wild. Three-game series because it's a Pacific division. Again, Wednesday, December the 7th at 7 in Calgary. Huh, you'd think it'd be later. That's mountain time zone. So that's a 6 o'clock start in the mountain time zone. Hmm. Calgary again way later in the year, March the 4th. That should be fun. I love playing the Calgary Flames teams like that. And, and all Calgary Flames in like in February, March, stuff like that as the year's progressing. And then March 7th, almost right away in the X. So... Two games in Calgary, one in the X. Two games in the Saddle Dome, if it's still called that. I'm pretty sure it is. <laughs> um, Calgary, two and three in their last five. Mm, they beat Philly. I still remember that game. I actually watched it. It was fun. They lost three in a row since then and scored three goals in three games total. Ah, five to two loss. No, five to two win over Philly in Philly. Nice. 
Two to one loss to Pittsburgh. Yep, I remember that. Washington three nothing shutout. Jeez, these were all on the road, by the way. Uh, Carolina three to two loss to uh, to Carolina, and then a six two win over Florida. I actually had that as the Cup final last year. Couldn't have been more wrong, huh? Six to two victory for the Calgary Flames. Why am I seeing the same damn commercial? Like every, don't you just hate that? It's boring. Stop. Stop playing the same commercial. My God, are they giving you $5 billion or something? Jeez. Ugh. Ugh. I hate that. Okay. Yep, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Scotiabank Saddle Dome. That's why. It's the Scotiabank part, and that's actually old news. So, yep. I mean, obviously, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Jacob Markstrom, three goals against. Mm, what is happening there, man? I remember Jacob Markstrom last year was Venza level, right? And then Vesna, Venza, Vesna level last year. And then here come the playoffs. He's okay versus Dallas. And then Edmonton, it was like one goal after another. It's like, wow, Calgary is just smoking Edmonton. And then it's like 9 to 3, 9 to 4, 9 to 5, 9 to 6. Like, okay, you can stop already, Markstrom. What happened? And he's not been good really ever since, to be quite fair. Elias Lindholm with 10 assists. That's nice and everything. Rasmus Anderson with 13. Tyler Toffoli leading the club with 16 points. Tyler Elias Lindholm and Rasmus Anderson. Nazim Kadri, the somewhat prize edition. He's pretty good, obviously, but not as exciting as some of us would have thought. And Jonathan Huberdo, what's going on? 12 points in 19 games. So things are not really happening like you'd hope. Milan Lucic is ancient, only 5 points in 22 games, but of course provides a ton of leadership. And uh, the guys on the uh, fireside chat, they'll never shout out to me, but I'll give them some love right here. People don't shout out. They just don't because, I don't know, they're mean. I don't know. I'll just leave it at that. They just don't. Uh, Milan Lucic, yeah, I mean, yeah, they were saying he should be the captain. Um, I don't know. Maybe it should be like Kadri. That's the other one. That's the other one they've actually been talking about. Or even, I don't know, Huberdo, maybe. Maybe he'd step up a little bit. But whatever. Calgary's been a major disappointment so far. Hopefully they can get their heads out of somewhere after the 6-2 victory over Florida. Am I going to be optimistic and pick the Wild to go 3-1 and one in this week? There, I hope they got the frog out of my throat. <laughs> Sorry, had to dump that out quick. Um, I, I think so. I, I think the Wild can beat Calgary. It's been a tough matchup historically, and they are a very dangerous team. I mean, this team could go off like the 6-2 victory over Florida. Maybe that kind of woke them up a little bit. Maybe. I mean, I'm not overly optimistic about that, but... Quite possibly. They play the Montreal Canadiens, who they played in the Cup Finals twice in the 80s. 86, they lost to Montreal, and they beat them in 1989. Cool. Cool memory, right? That's back when you had two teams, in the, uh, two Canadian teams in the Cup Finals, which I would like. I would like that. If the Wild aren't there, I would be quite happy if two Canadian teams made the Cup Finals. Then you could finally have a new uh, Canadian team winning a Stanley Cup, or even if it's the same one, Montreal again, which... I don't know. Maybe they will with Martin San Louis, though. <laughs> they might. He's doing a good job. Um, he is. So, 3-2 to two win for Minnesota? No, it'd be like 4-3. to three. It'd be higher scoring, maybe. 3-2, to 4-3. to three. Oh, no, Yeah, there it is. There's the Felino incident. Now he's about to lose his mind again. Yep, there's uh, O'Brien. O'Brien. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, I'm distracted. I gotta see this real quick. Yeah, but it's kind of dragging on, and they're all watching what's going on. They're focusing the camera on O'Brien, who's just kind of giving like a dirty look, basically, because he's in the penalty box. Yep, 
And uh, so Felino shoves O'Brien. Yeah, and then it goes Kabalui. That escalated quickly. <coughs> Sorry. But yeah, Minnesota, 4-3 to three win over Calgary. I'm going to say. I think it's going to be higher scoring than we would like because there's a lot of talent there. Felino's about to snap at least. And yeah, I could see uh, Dean Evison flipping out. O'Brien's just kind of laughing at the whole thing. That's cute. Um, the most likely got a score for the Calgary or against the Calgary Flames for Minnesota is going to be this is going to be Matt Dumba, I guess. I'm going to go with Matt Dumba is going to score in this game. One of his rare goals this year and I'm not trying to be rude, but it's not been all that great. He's going to score a rare goal. Minnesota wins 4-3 to three, though versus the Calgary Flames and yep, Felino's starting to really lose it now. Interesting. Yep, because he's not happy about what O'Brien did, like shooting the ice on the goalie. Snowing on the goalie, basically. <laughs> Sorry, it's entertaining. It's entertaining. <laughs> oh, it's fun to watch. I don't know, because I'm nuts. Yep, there goes the helmet. Yep, I knew that was coming. Okay, so, yep, Minnesota 3-1 and one in the <laughs> upcoming. Yeah, there goes Felino now. Game is, or 10-minute misconduct. Whew, yeah, anyhow, <laughs> I, I had to see it again. I mean, I apologize. Um, let's look at the prospects now that I'm getting my mind together correctly. Uh, I'll, I'll leave the little sound bite out this time. Done enough distractions already here, so my apologies for that. And as per usual, we open things up with the Iowa Wild. Sammy Walker leading that club with 17 points, just under a point a game, nine goals, eight assists, and 19 Joe Hicketts, yep, he had a strong start last year, I remember as well. Then he kind of slowed down. Beckman had been pretty slow for a little while, but he's picked up of late, thankfully. Nine points in 15 games at the moment. And Ty Ronning has emerged a bit. He was very slow to open things out. Marco Rossi, four points in the two games so far. He had three points in the first period of his first AHL game. Like, I'm not going to stay here very long. Damon Hunt finally kind of contributing a bit now. A couple of extra assists here. He did have his first goal a little while back. Three assists now with four points. So that's nice to see uh, offensively, at least Damon Hunt picking up and improving gradually, gradually, not turning the puck over as much, hopefully. But, uh, you know, but he still does, obviously, because everybody does. Um, Sam Hench is so far just one game. What the heck? So that's really disappointing. Kind of sad. With Sam Henches thus far. No points in that. Uh, Ryan O'Rourke still at one point. He's, you know, unfortunate start for him. 16 games and one point. One assist. Just like uh, Rossi at the NHL level. Oh, man. That sucks. Uh, Walst, uh, excuse me. St. McIntyre's been up with Minnesota. Wallstead's been the main guy down there. Uh, Hunter Jones, that one game. That was the last week. Uh, last week I talked about that. Still at the same point. Just under two goals a game. Had given up two goals, but didn't finish the game, apparently. So, good for him uh, thus far. Good, strong uh, performance by Hunter Jones in the one game he got to be in. 93% save percentage. Could be a confidence boost to have him in the AHL versus the ECHL, where the Iowa Heartlanders have not been good. There's another mess going on there. Sorry. <laughs> Jasper Wallstead, 317 in the goals against average and save percentage under, under 90, unfortunately. So, yeah, it kind of is what it is. Damian Giroux is still floating around at just five points in 14 games, so it's unfortunate to see him struggling. And Nick Sweeney's at a half point a game thus far with his five goals and two assists in 14 games, so mm, it's sad. It's sad to see some of these guys take a step back 
It, it really is. So ho- hopefully we're going to see something better. Of course, Rossi, like I always talk about, the batting average and the home runs are going to go way up now in the AHL, just like things did with uh, Jules Eriksenek. And I do believe uh, Rossi will probably come out of the AHL faster than maybe even Jules did at the time. And it was interesting how Jules just kind of went straight to the NHL after one AHL game, basically, when he first got cracked into the NHL, Jules Eriksenek. Um, and then... You know, see Rossi. They had him down in the AHL last year. It was it was pretty good most of the year. Had some quiet spells. Came up to Minnesota. Didn't do anything points wise, but still played a good game generally speaking. But certainly not perfect. Wasn't producing offensively. Now to AHL two points a game so far. So encouraging in that sense. Let's go Euro. Let's go Euro a bit here if we can. Merit Huznadinov, of course, 2020 draft. Is now the. <laughs> Everything takes to jump out at you here. I apologize. St. Petersburg of the KHL. Again, of course, playing professional hockey there. The main, main thing. Seven goals, 14 assists in 36 games. Who's Nadinov? Definitely more productive in the KHL. Has already eclipsed last year's numbers in 32 games. Um, almost doubled at 21. So definitely getting better and better. And that's a very encouraging sign. A lot of people hoping that Who's Nadinov ends up being another Russian star coming to Minnesota. I don't think his offense is going to be as prolific as Kirill Kaprizov, but I guess you never know. Skating ability is fantastic, and his defense is, you know, way, 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 way up there. Carson Lambos, again, more and more reason why the Wild could be looking to move on from Dumba. Not that Lambos is ready to go, but he will be eventually. You know, some, you know, the guys like the Lambos is the O'Rourke's and the Damon Hunts. I mean, you got to make room for him at some point. I understand they're not ready yet. Maybe you have to have placeholders and all that. And there's free agents and trades you can make. Um, I just don't see Dumba coming back. <laughs> I don't see Dumba coming back uh, long term. 20 points in 21 games for Carson Lambos. Has not played since last week, unfortunately. But again, awesome numbers. Right about a point a game for the Winnipeg Ice. Carson Lambos has missed some time, unfortunately, which can drive you crazy. It's frustrating. Um... I was going Euro, and then I'm just going into general juniors. I'm, I'm kind of going into both, so might as well go to both. I apologize for the back-and-forth approach. Nine assists in 14 games so far for Jack Pert. As he's definitely stepped up after a slow, slow start in his sophomore year for the St. Cloud State Huskies. Love what Jack Pert can do. He's a power play type of guy. Kadian Banker. Kaden, Kaden Banker. Banker. <laughs> I'll get it right one of these days. Um... Playing in the juniors, of course. Thing. I don't know what's happening. Yeah, but Camelum's Blazers, of course, obviously love the logo. I like anything involving, like, flames and stuff. <laughs> and he's had a major step up, like I talked about in the last couple of episodes. He's on pace for 87 points in 67 games. 57 goals. 17 on the year so far in the only 20 games. Think about that. Awesome, awesome, awesome start for Bank here. And I've said this probably 15 times already on previous episodes. People could tell he'd taken a step up in the... Uh, Went, you know, the summer prospect camp and all that. And um, very, very, people very encouraged by him. He's one of those uh, dark horses where you're like, ooh, this, there's something there. There's something there. Kyle Mazars, people were talking very highly of. And, yeah, already eclipsed last season point totals. 65 games, 14 points last year. 20 games in 19 this year. So, what a step up. What a step up. And his plus minus keeps going up now. As I remember, he actually had, was at a minus. Then he got to even. Now he's a plus five on the year is Kyle Masters from Edmonton, Alberta, 
Five foot eleven, he's a right shot defenseman like everybody else, right? Three goals and sixteen assists, definitely getting the job done with those power play assists. A point a game guy, just under, absolutely great. Josh Pilar, Saskatoon Blades, he's a point a game guy now. Um, last year with Cam Lutz, he was over a point a game, believe it or not. He was doing great. And then, of course, the trade happened, and he was less than a half a point a game with Saskatoon. But now he's picked it up again, and he's a plus 11. Plus 11 on the year, which is much better than four, plus 4 or minus 1 uh, last season with the two different clubs, respectively. Nate Benoit, again, picked up the offense significantly this year in a lot of ways, but he's a minus 11, unfortunately is Nate Benoit for the Omaha Lancers, classic USHL team. Two, two goals, six assists for eight total points in 18 games. Again, has eclipsed every stat he, uh, that he had before, so that's always cool and, and exciting and all that. Now we'll go back to Euro again, which is fun sometimes. <laughs> Liam Ugrin, Liam Ugrin, pardon me for the noise. Apologize here, trying not to cough. Um, Stepping up in a big way for Sweden. Well, kind of, anyway. Uh, kind of, sort of. Eight points in 22 games. Six total goals in the 22 games. So he's more of a goal scorer thus far for this club. But in the past, you saw more of a passer. But, of course, that'll... Daniil uh, Yurov is definitely more of a passer. Matt Zuccarillo replacement someday, quite possibly, to uh, go on the other side with, you know, the right wing with Kirill Kaprizov someday. That, that could happen. We'll see. But that's a long, long, long ways away. Daniel Yurov. We're coming back to him very shortly here. Love what he can do. And I remember that being such an exciting pick. Uh, he was actually our real pick. And then Liam Ugrin was the uh, Kevin Fiala replacement. And yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, well, we'll see. Might end up being a similar type of guy, hopefully. But obviously, it's too early to say. This thing is really funky. <laughs> I apologize. Um... He's on pace for just 16 points, but at least, again, he's scoring. In the MHL, he's on pace in the K, uh, the KHL, but he'd played 33 games and had four goals, four assists. Again, that's something. It's it's something. It's progress from last year. And in the MHL, he's about a point-a-game guy in just five games, four points. So that's, of course, again, the AHL of the KHL. So that's cute and everything. But, yeah, um, obviously super-duper early. He turns 19, does Danilo Yurov on December 22nd. So... Again, long, 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 long ways away. Can't get too excited. Can't get too down one way or another. When it comes to some of those European guys, they're like 17, 18 years old. I mean, give give them some time. Yeah, that's how it's going to have to be. Hunter Hate, again, always showing promise. But unfortunately, the number is kind of low at this point. Uh, he'd, he'd showed promise early, but again, remember how young he is. He's insanely young. So be patient. Nine points, three just three goals in 20 games so far, and he is a center for the Barry Colts. So again, be patient with that guy. There's going to be something there. Rigor Lorenz for uh, Denver, the hated Denver Pioneers. <laughs> he was great in the uh, he was great in the Alberta Junior Hockey League, but yeah, that's what that is. Uh, University of Denver. Maybe you won't be seeing the same amount of minutes for a club like that. In 12 games, he has one goal and two assists thus far for the Denver Pioneers. Michael Milne, who's been in the AHL, he's been a, he's been in the AHL basically this year, which is pretty cool. At 20, and he is 20 years of age, so he's old enough to be in the AHL. A little older uh, prospect, kind of cool actually. One goal, one assist so far for the left shot left winger 
two points at age 20. So we'll see what happens with Michael Milne. Again, a couple years older than the, than the typical draft pick. Ryan Healy, even younger um, than Hunter Haight. Uh, and you could argue there's a little bit more there at the college level. Already five points in nine games. One goal, four assists. Ryan Healy. And he's a defenseman, too. A right-shot defenseman. Another right-shot defenseman, which continues to say bye-bye Dumba at some point. One of these guys has to take that spot, right? I mean, there's like 19 right-shot defensemen. So, I remember I remember joking with... Uh, <laughs> I remember joking with um, Derek during the... Uh, during the uh, <laughs> State of the Wild episode back in early July. <laughs> oh, like we have like 19 defensemen basically in the system that are all, you know, there's there's hope that a few of them could make it to the NHL. Obviously, you draft a guy hoping that. And I was like, oh, they took a defenseman. And what's another pick? Oh, another defenseman. I'm like BSing around. But we, we had a chuckle about that. <laughs> yeah, Spacek has been incredible for the Kiwis thus far. Uh, Shearbrook Phoenix, cool name, five goals, 17 assists. He's a plus five on the season, 22 points in uh, 24 games. And he did have 50 points last year in 57 games for the same club. So Spacek's an interesting one, fifth-round pick. Um, of course, yeah, and he's got uh, NHL blood in his family, of course. And we wrap things up with Petrovsky for the Owen Sound attack. He's a centre <laughs> of the OHL there. 22 points in 21 games at the young age of 18. Actually, he is even younger. He's the youngest guy of the entire uh, in the entire wild system, August 10th, 2004. That is insane. That is insane. August 10th. You go from April with Hunter Haight, Regular Lorenz, May, and then Petrovsky of Slovakia. <laughs> Whew, August. August 2004. August 2004. Feel old yet, guys? Wow. August 2004. I just can't get over that. Um, with that, though, that's pretty much where we're standing. Some definite uh, encouragement with some of these guys. Obviously, again, a lot of them are far, far away, unfortunately. The closest guy to being in the NHL is uh, Marco Rossi. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. That's mean, isn't it? Otherwise, <laughs> the other guy who's got to be fairly close is Brock Faber, and I always tend to forget him because he wasn't a draft pick. Of course, he was in a trade for Kevin Fiala and uh, with the Liam Ugrin move. 11 points so far in 16 games. He's definitely on pace for greater highs. The captain of the Golden Gophers, who were, were the number two team in the nation, but after losing in overtime to the Sun Devils in one of the games, that can't be good. So that sucks. Uh, two goals, nine assists in 16 games, though very, 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 very productive. And a plus 11 in his junior and probably final season with the Golden Gophers. And again, right shot defenseman, need I say more? Need I say more? Right shot defenseman? That, is there an echo? <laughs> yeah, there is. With that said, we'll take a quick break, and it's time for the Ultra Fun Fan Interaction Segment. back here on Brave the Wild, segment number three. Time to look at Twitter at Brave the Wild, at Brave the Wild. Derek Felska, at Crease and Assist has got a Minnesota Wild question on your mind. Ask Brave the Wild Tiger questions. Hashtag BTWMN and ask as many as you please. And thank you very much, Derek, always. Um, 
should be everything there. I'm going to kind of bounce around. Derek opens up. It's the Derek Felska lightning round. <laughs> they say that teams that are in the playoff picture on Thanksgiving are the teams that will be in the NHL playoffs in the spring. The Minnesota Wild are currently on the outside looking in. Should that make the team be cautious about making a move for a number one center or no? I would say probably. Probably, again, because of the, uh, the cap situation isn't pretty. Uh, you have a lot of young guys who are you know, inexpensive, thankfully, that can hopefully come up not too long from now, including Marco Rossi, not too expensive at the moment. That will, you know, obviously help fill this roster. And then by the time they're due for, you know, their their, their raise and everything, the whole cap uh, nonsense will be cleared up. So um, I'm with the Judd Zolgeds of the world that are not too uh, keen on making a huge move here and uh, gutting, gutting the future, so to speak. And I know sometimes the future can drive people nuts because prospects oftentimes aren't what you expect. Um, Mikhail Granlin was looked on like a, like a what Kirill Kaprizov is in a lot of ways, and he did not become that guy. Kirill Kaprizov ultimately is the only one that ever really became the, the star player that we kind of hoped for. Almost all of them. Charlie Coyle we thought was going to be really, really a really good player. Maybe not a star, but you know, one of the best players on the team, and he never was. And you could go on forever. Nader Ryder, Zucker. You thought Zucker is going to be like a 40-goal guy. Like, no. He had like one 30-goal season. So I understand the frustration with that. At the same time, the cap situation isn't going to help this team in the next couple of years. So it's kind of tough. It's kind of tough. Um, at least that's the way I see it. Other people might be like, well, you could probably clear space. Maybe, yeah. I mean, and if, if there is something out there that makes sense, I mean, I suppose. I suppose, and it has to be somebody that's probably pretty young. Like, say, Sam Steele's age, but, you know, higher performer at this stage. Um, love what Sam Steele's done, but I'm not dancing on the. I'm not dancing on tulips for uh, <laughs> Sam Steele either necessarily. Um, uh, Derek continues. The World Cup is going on in, in uh, Qatar. The the World Cup of Hockey hasn't been around since 2016. Do you think it's necessary, or is it made redundant by the annual World Championships or Olympics? That is, yeah, that is kind of true. World Cup hockey would be really cool, but it seems like there are too many events, unfortunately. I think it would be cool, though. It's, it's kind of a shame, and maybe you get to know new players that can emerge in a situation like that, like, whoa, that guy really had a great World Cup. Maybe he really belongs at the NHL level, this and that. So, I think it'd be cool. It is kind of sad. Um, Derek says, just to clarify, I mean, it is redundant to have the World Cup of Hockey with those other two around. Yeah, yep, of course. I'm not making a comment on the World Cup. Yeah, he just means that, yeah, like maybe it's too many events uh, where it's kind of like the same thing. You know, like, you know, uh, Alex Ovechkin, Russia, and Kirill Kaprizov, Russia. Okay, I'm going on Russia only. <laughs> you know, back in the day, maybe a Zach Parisi for the U.S., you know, stuff like that. So, yeah, I can understand the redundancy. It'd be cool to have, but I can understand that side in a big way, if that kind of helps to answer the question a little bit. Derek says, uh, during the during last week's game against Toronto, oof, their goaltender, Matt Murray, knocked the goal off its mornings on three separate occasions, none of them being caused by a collision or his own... Uh, uh, with, with a collision, uh, by a collision with his own or Minnesota Wild players, beyond a delay of game, should more be done? Uh, if it keeps happening, he should probably be fined. I'd probably go with that. Delay of game, absolutely. 
um, he probably should be fine because it's like, dude, that's cheating. You know, eventually, when does it go from just kind of being smart or tricky to cheating? You know, like if you're going to fine and suspend uh, Tom Brady for deflate gate, you sure as hell can fine and suspend Matt Murray for uh, moorings gate. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Moorings gate or, or, or net gate or whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, I think it should lead to that. It, it would, uh, fines and possible suspension for a game or two or 19, I don't know, depending on how long it goes. Brian Herrera says, with steel producing and fitting into the top line, do we see him remain there for a long time or will he lose his spot when Hartman returns? I'm liking steel there since he adds some more playmaker ability, but he needs to shoot more. Yeah, um, for now, sure. For now, steel's good for now. I would like to believe that there's a better player at some point. Probably not Ryan Hartman. Probably not. Um, Hartman could be productive, second, third line type of guy. I think last year might have been kind of like what was with a lot of the Minnesota Twins in 2019. Like, holy crap, 30 home runs, you know, blah, 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 35 home runs, Max Kepler. And next thing you know, he's just kind of an oft-injured, mediocre player. Not that he wasn't oft-injured in 2019 also, but you get the idea. He might be the Max Kepler of the Minnesota Wild, where it's like there's something there, but not as much as we thought. Um, so Steele could be a nice placeholder for the time being. Good player. He was a first-round pick, just like uh, um, Ryan Hartman, but is he a long-term solution? Of course not. Uh, short-term solution? Sure. A year or two, we'll see what happens. Uh, obviously, you hope and pray that one or two of the prospects can emerge and be something. Uh, you know, so obviously there's been frustration. A lot of us loved Hovenov, and he didn't even come close. Uh, Brian Herrera continues. Another one says, and thank you, Brian, love it. Says, uh, Rossi, heading to Iowa is a good thing for his game and confidence to rebuild. Yep, he was overwhelmed in the season, and it showed. I agree with that. With Shaw taking a spot and Patan proving a good 13th forward, do you think Rossi will be back up this season? Or... Or will he remain in Iowa to finish? I think he'll be back up. I think he'll be back up. I think he's going to hit a lot of home runs, so to speak. I know I say that way too much. And bat 400 in AAA. I, I think that's going to happen. I have a feeling he's going to step up nicely and be back in, you know, two to four weeks is my guess. Guesstimation, maybe four to six weeks. But I, I have a pretty good feeling he'll be back up, Marco Rossi. And then suddenly you'll see something. I think it'll be kind of like with Jules Eriksenek, where he was down for a few weeks and it was a point-to-game player, came back up and was a little better. He started uh, producing and then eventually became a better and better player. And I do believe Rossi offensively is more high-end than uh, Jules Eriksenek and maybe might end up being that number one center someday. And I'm hoping and praying. Derek Felska says, On Sunday, Mar- Marcus Foligno decided to fight Arizona's Liam O'Brien. Shouldn't he leave the fighting to Ryan Reeves so he doesn't risk getting hurt, or am I missing something? Probably. Probably, especially, like, he could have gotten in much bigger trouble for all all that reaction afterwards. Uh, I don't blame him for being really upset and thinking what happened wasn't fair. It did feel like he got a raw deal and all of that. But, um, he could... I think it's okay if he does some of the fighting, but he probably went way overboard with that one. Um, yeah. I think he went overboard, and Ryan Reeves fits fits that fits that bill pretty well. So, nope, I don't think you're missing something with that one. Uh, a couple more. Yep, Derek Felska says, "What is the best sports video game of all time?" In my opinion, uh, in your opinion, yeah. Um, oh boy, NHL '95 is way up there. I, I love playing that game. 
I haven't lately as much. Super Batter Up is a classic baseball game I like to play for the Super Nintendo. Again, Super Nintendo again. Um, Sega Genesis, there's that sports, uh, what do they call it? Talk Sports Talk Baseball or something. Uh, it sounds just like, and it may very, and I think it is his voice. It sure sounds like it, like Jack Buck. It's a home run. <laughs> Games like that. Uh, if I were to pick a single sports game of all time, uh, it's probably NHL 95. I probably spent more time playing that one than any of the others. You can get all those classic players. Obviously, way back in the day, and I still play it off and on, is Blades of Steel. That's my original favorite sports video game of all time, is Blades of Steel. But probably since about the, the mid-90s, I'd say NHL 95. We have young young players like Wes Waltz and really young players like uh, Bill Guerin. I believe he was on, yeah, yeah, he was on the game. He was super young then. Um, <laughs> Madonna, obviously, guys like that. Steve Snyder says, if the Wild, and, and thank you, Derek, for sharing this one, if the Wild do remain in contention as the season progresses, a big if, he says, will Bill Guerin go after a top six forward? If yes, do we give up one of our deep defensive goal prospects? I know cap space will still be an issue, so not sure we can afford a top six player. There was talk about it, and then it ended up being Ryan Reeves. It's kind of funny. Um, maybe. I mean, you know, if, if we could get Timo Meyer and keep him somehow, obviously you have to clear cap space, and I do think Dumba's probably gone, so that's $6 million, but uh, you know what I mean? Unfortunately, with this team, the $6 million doesn't disappear really that easily with this current situation. I'm doubting it. I'm, I'm, I'm doubting it. It would have to be like, maybe we have a strong opinion on certain prospects and are willing to move others that maybe another franchise just is in love with. For, you know, but we're, we're not, that kind of thing. Maybe you can come ahead that way, I suppose. Because, yeah, just have different opinions and, you know, you're, you're the lucky one of the two in that sense. That's kind of how I think it could happen. And, again, but you have to give up cap space. That's the hard part. Otherwise, bringing in more cap space is impossible for this current team. Like, two million with Goligowski isn't all that, you know, isn't going to help all that much either, unfortunately. Um, yep, good good question, though, Steve, definitely. Uh, it could happen. It just would be hard, I guess. Brian Herrera says, yep, there it is. <laughs> Well, yep, Julius Sinek, Marcus Foligno, and 75. That'd be Ryan Reeves. Seem to fit well together and add a big checking presence on the ice. Um, Greenway, that's 18, has added the same energy to his other lines. Do we see 18 move up in the lineup to play with Boldy or uh, to play with Boldy more, or will he go back to the grief line? Well, it sounds like the grief line's been reunited. Um, I was going to bring that up. I was hearing about that basically before I started the second segment. Yep, um, Grief line, yeah, it sounds like it's going to be back to the grief line again, but that's another option, especially being the fact guys get hurt all the frickin' time, so that's another reason, or uh, Ryan Reeves could slot right in to replace somebody, if need be, to kind of get the, uh, like a, a freak line or a or a, a Reeves line, I don't know what you'd call it, <laughs> they'd come up with something, but for now, I think the grief is what it is, Greenway, Eck, and Felino. yep. So, Jody Anderson, and I need to mention this because uh, I didn't last episode. She's the author of Hockey Moms Aren't Crazy. Well, maybe a little. Isn't that cool? And so she she follows Brave the Wild and has been interacting with me. So, huge shout out to Jody Anderson. 
Um, check it out. Check out the, uh, yep, check out Hockey Moms Aren't Crazy. Well, maybe a little. Apparently, it's selling very well. So, of course, places like Amazon and such, go for it. Highly recommend it, she says. Who is your favorite Minnesota NHL hockey player ever? Minnesota NHL hockey player ever. Um, Like Minnesota-based, I wonder. It's an interesting one. I'm trying to debate here. Probably if he's from Minnesota. Oh, man, it's 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 always a very tough Neil Broughton's got to be way up there, you know, winning the national championship and going to the cup finals twice with Minnesota. If it's Minnesota-based overall, right now, right now I think Kirill Kaprizov is my favorite uh, player to play for a Minnesota NHL team. And believe it or not, as much as I liked Madonna, uh, Dino Cicerelli, but that's probably going back a little too far for, you know, because I was super young still, and I was still very young when he got traded away. I was, what, about nine years old? Yeah, about 1988, right? Um, and then uh, <laughs> Larry Murphy. Yeah, definitely. But of course, no. He was only here for like a year and a half, and we stupidly traded him away for Jim Johnson. Um, obviously, uh, Brian Bellos was the other one that I just I just loved him as a player with the Minnesota North Stars. He was a hell of a scorer. Loved what he could do. Um, Brian Bellos. Loved Dave Gagne, too. But yeah, Bellos... Bellows, Madonna, guys like that, classics with the uh, the North Stars. Of course, Madonna was super young when the North Stars moved away, unfortunately. But um, overall player that simply played for the Minnesota NHL team is Kirill Kaprizov. I think he's better than all of them, believe it or not. Um, and then, of course, Minnesota base has got to be Neil Broughton. He, uh, again, won the national title with the Gophers. Uh, and then, of course, uh, was a part of two Minnesota teams that went to the finals and was... So good in the 80s, and unfortunately was slowing down in the 90s with the injuries that had happened earlier in his career. Um, but still, wonderful player in terms of Minnesota-based. I can't say it's Parisi. I, obviously, the, the history is tarnished. Parisi would have possibly been there, but his history is tarnished. I'm sorry, I didn't like what happened here with uh, him and Ryan Suter. So that's where I stand on that. Thank you very much, Jody. Jay Bushy back on board. Awesome. Great to hear from you. Says, as Russo has stated, Dumbo will be up. Dumbo will be traded or could potentially walk in free agency. I really feel that he has very little trade value. Your thoughts? I think so, too. Um, we could be looking at, yeah, we could be looking at a, a mediocre, like a mid-range draft pick. I don't think it'll be as low as fifth round because, I mean, we gave up a fifth round for Ryan Reeves. I got to think. Hopefully you can get more than a fifth-round pick for Dumba, but it ain't going to be too much, and you probably don't want another player coming back unless you're in love with the guy, and he's not expensive because of the same reason, the damn cap situation. So maybe like a... It might end up being like a... And I know Bill Guerin will like want to kick my ass for even thinking of this, like a fourth, third or fourth-round pick. It might end up being that. If you can get a second, that'd be really good. If you can get a second-round pick or maybe a second and third, ooh, that'd be really nice. If it's third and fourth, okay, that's probably too low. But a second and third-round pick, maybe. Uh, a lot of you might be like, you want to slap me in the face, where others are like, Joey, how, you, you're going to get that for it? So obviously it's a very differing type of thing. It's a very divided type of situation with Dumba. Some people love him. Some people think he's not that good. I think he's not that good, unfortunately, but does have some, some value, some and if somebody out there loves him and thinks he can help their team, uh, regardless of the price, it's just a free agent anyway. It's not like he's going to make $6 million next year. It'd probably be closer to three and a half or something is my guess. Um, 
Jody Anderson says, I agree, Jay. And a sarcastic Irishman says, unless someone wants a turnover machine. Yeah, see, see, some people might look at it that way where you're like, well, yeah, like, what's the point? You'd be lucky to get that fifth-round pick back for uh, Mr. Uh, and Derek retreated that one or shared it. Steve Snyder... Yep, this is the way this will wrap this up. Yep, Steve Snyder says, it's been interesting. We've we've heard very little from, yeah, true. This is, yep, I saw this. It's been interesting. We've heard very little from Garen this year. When they win, he's everywhere. Now we are uh, like a 500 team and we don't get much. I'd like to see some ownership on, on the bad moves made and him taking the heat as he had no problems basking in the success. That's a good take. That's a good take. I'm, I'm, I'm not against you for that. You know, sometimes it's good. Um, I'm sure he'll be around more. KFAN, KFAN Girl says, I don't disagree with you, but I'm curious about what bad moves he made. He doesn't have a lot to work with right now. Yep, I mean, there aren't really bad moves. It's just the team's not playing really well. Maybe the bad move is long, uh, you know, maybe not. <laughs> I'm blanking. I was like Flurry and giving up Kakanen, but Kakanen hasn't been good with the Sharks either. Flurry's actually been fine this year. It's just that he's super old. You know, he's no long-term solution. Um... I can't say the moves are bad, no. Uh, but again, the team's not winning. The team's not winning. Bottom line, um, maybe a, a bad. Maybe it's more of a bad non-move, like giving up Dumba when his when his trade value might have been higher. Uh, the fact that he scored a little bit lately might help a tiny bit. Might get somebody encouraged. Maybe get their eye a little bit on Dumba a little more. But really interesting tweet, Steve. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, that's a that's a good thought. He really has been invisible. Um, I don't think he's really as invisible necessarily by choice. Maybe maybe people aren't uh, asking him for interviews as much. I don't know. Uh, it sounds one interesting thing is it sounds like Mike Bodano has been more involved with hockey ops than uh, else or uh, than before. So that's kind of cool. He's got taken on a bigger role. So in a way, that's kind of cool. Hopefully, we can hear from Mike Bodano some more as well. Um, I thought, yeah, they they were saying his role was going to evolve and head more into the hockey hockey ops department so that's kind of cool we'll see what happens and again there isn't a whole lot to work with he had to lose he had to give up fiala uh to get up for for basically for futures um ogren ugrin and faber so neither one of them was available to the minnesota wild at the moment so that's another way to look at it i mean it's not necessarily a it's not a bad move it's just you're stuck um and like he said, he would he would have removed those two guys, Suter and Parisi, again, if he had the choice to do it again. And I would too. And unfortunately, it is what it is. We're kind of recovering from bad moves of previous regimes and, I don't know, and risky ones. Like Suter Parisi was all exciting at the time, but we all knew a 13-year contract isn't going to be a good thing long term. Short term, it's exciting. Long term, it's dangerous. Very high risk. So we're paying for it now, unfortunately. All of us are paying for that July 4th celebration on... Uh, back in 2012. So, great thoughts there. Uh, thank you, Steve, for that. <coughs> Where's the retweet? Who who retweeted it? Or is it a quote tweet? Yep. Derek Felska says, Amen 100%. Yeah. About he should probably be more visible. He he should be, and I think he will be as the year progresses. I think he will be as the year progresses, and I, I hope so. Um, so, I think I've made my point, and uh, all should be well with that. Thank you guys so, so, so very much for your interaction. Really, really appreciate it every single week, and we're going to continue doing the show. Shout-outs to, of course, MNW Prospects, also known as Young Guns. MNW Prospects, 
uh, we have uh, Pavel Bennett, Justin Bucky, Brandon Quast, myself, who I've not been as involved as I'd like to be, and it's my own fault. Um, huge shout out to Minnesota Wild Global. Always appreciate them in a big way. Uh, Scott Cavendish, Kathy, uh, did I say? Yeah, Scott Cavendish, yes. <laughs> There's another one, Scott Doherty for the Timberwolves. <laughs> Scott Cavendish, yes, Minnesota Wild Global. Kathy Main, Chad Walski, Chance Costick, David Costick, David Abraham, Michael Fick, some great people there, great people to interact with. And there's some more that I'd like to maybe mention as I get more and more. Uh, Patrick Turner, big shout out to him as well. Minnesota Wild Nation coming out of Florida, but really cool to know there's Florida fans that uh, like the Minnesota Wild. Um, others, let me think, uh, supposedly <laughs> supposedly even Mario Andretti out of, I believe he's in Florida, listens to the uh, well, at least he follows Brave the Wild on Twitter. That might mean he listens as well. So wouldn't that be Mario Andretti? Yeah, I just said that, which is the darndest thing ever. Mario Andretti follows Brave the Wild. <laughs> yeah, I can't even believe it. Huge shout out to Hockey Database. Really appreciate everything they do. And they're a huge part of the show, more than people might understand. When I get into the prospects talk and look around the league, look at history, look at current things, look at futures, Hockey Database, huge, huge shout-out, and thank you for following the uh, Twitter account as well. Uh, please call into the show if you'd like. Haven't had a voice on this show in I don't know how long. Open up your smart device. Open that free voice recording app that every smart device has. And basically, press record, treat it like a phone call, hit stop when you're done, and then share it slash email it to paladinolive at yahoo.com, paladinolive at yahoo.com. I will then convert it into an mp3 file. Thanks to Zumzar.com uh, uh, with a Z. They convert files for you, which is wonderful. Um, please write a positive rating on Apple Podcasts and some of the other apps that may allow you to do that, like Spotify and such. Huge, huge, massive shout-out, of course, to the to the Hockey Pod, Hockey Pod Network, Hockey Podcast Network. Unbelievably great. Dylan and Kyle, great guys, coming out of uh, Vancouver, British Columbia area. Really love you guys. Thank you so much. Um, shout out to the Soda Pod, of course. Always like to <laughs> Isha, Jerome, and and, and uh, Scott, also known as Hoppy, of course. That's his main uh, name, his nickname on there. <sighs> Trying to think, is there other things? Again, positive rating. Already mentioned that. Shout outs all over the place. So, hope all of you have a wonderful uh, week in the Minnesota Wild. Continue to head in a good direction and make the right moves as the season progresses. 